0: Hi, I'm Chris Sarandon, and welcome to Cooking by Heart. Where we revisit the vivid memories of the food we grew up with and the people and the stories attached to that time in our lives. Today, my special guest is the inimitable Carol Kane. Carol starred in films such as Hester Street, for which she received an Academy Award nomination for Best Actress. Dog Day Afternoon, one of my favorites, Annie Hall, <laughs> The Princess Bride, another of my favorites, and Scrooged, among many, many, many other films that she's been in. She's also appeared on television in the series Taxi, for which she won two Emmy Awards. She played the character of Madame Marble in the Broadway musical Wicked, and she was a main cast member in the Netflix series Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And during Star Trek Today star trek day i'll get it out 2022 it was announced that kane would be joining the season two cast of star trek strange new worlds she joins us today from london england where she is filming a new television series harold kane my friend welcome
1: Chris christopher it's so nice to see you i have to i have to plug one more thing
0: absolutely plug plug
1: i want i want everybody to watch it i I'm part of an Amazon series.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Called Hunters. Oh. starring Someone you know, yeah. Mr. Al Pacino.
0: Right. Uh, everybody. In fact, Joanna and I watched it during the pandemic. Uh, so it on for season, a couple of years, right?
1: Season two is coming out soon. Oh. Apparently that's our last one, but maybe if everybody watches it, it won't be.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I'm excited because we love the series and we're you know, sort of devastated when it didn't come back.
1: That's brilliant. brilliant. Okay. Enough, enough enough plugging.
0: All right. Enough plugging. Onward, onward. So um, my first question I always ask everybody is uh, about provenance, where we're from, because that has a lot to do with the sort of theme of the show is growing up someplace. So you were born in?
1: Cleveland, Ohio.
0: Mm-hmm. And you lived there for how long?
1: When I was nine and part of yeah, nine and part of ten, I lived in Paris with Ooh. my family uh for a year and a half. And then with, we,
0: your, with whom?
1: My family.
0: With your family. Okay. So let's go back then to Cleveland. So you spent the first nine years approximately yeah. in Cleveland. Um okay. what, what was it like growing up in Cleveland? What was your was it an urban or suburban? existence
1: uh suburban
2: uh cleveland heights
0: yeah oh cleveland heights
2: yeah
0: i know cleveland heights because i have uncles and aunts who lived there for many many years they're all gone now but uh they lived in cleveland heights and i would visit them in the summer yeah yeah so tell me a little bit about mom and dad
1: well my beautiful mama is in the other room right now oh wow with me and she's 96 and still Less- playing the piano and composing and my papa is gone mhm they were uh you know together when i was born but unhappily so
0: yes this is not a, uh, this is a ubiquitous story with some people eyes this is not a yeah, new story. yeah.
1: and and I, I am the second uh of two girls mhm my sister Nina is a year and ten days older than me. Mm-hmm. She's a realtor, and speaking of food, she's a foodie oh. and, and an excellent cook. Oh, which has not rubbed off on me at all.
0: <laughs> now, did mom or dad cook when you were growing up?
1: My father loved to cook, mm-hmm. and also we had a, a housekeeper slash nanny named Pauline. Mm-hmm. And Pauline was an excellent cook and used to make strudel from oh. scratch and all kinds of great things. And my my mom wasn't much of a cook, although they both made uh what was it called? Creamed tuna. If you can imagine how healthy that oh
0: yes. Yeah. Was. Like, yeah.
1: Milk and butter and and right. cream and right, tuna. right. But
0: another ubiquitous dish back in that in that time period, Is that right? Yeah.
1: Okay. yeah. And my daddy, he liked to cook, and he cooked for holidays, and he he cooked matzah brai, which
2: I love yeah. to this
0: yeah. day. Yeah. So now the tr- so the tr- traditions, at least as far as cooking were concerned, were sort of general American. Uh, but mixed with uh, Jewish food?
1: Yeah, uh, but we were not uh, religious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there were things, matzah brite. And my Uncle Jack used to, I remember, come over most every Sunday with smoked fish oh. and lox and bagels. And oh,
0: yeah.
1: That we
2: loved. We loved that. Oh, yeah. That.
0: Well, any, anyone who's grown up in or around New York or lives in New York, for that matter, or, or basically any kind of urban center, but particularly New York, Los Angeles, are familiar with that that uh, Sunday morning tradition. Smoked fish, mm. uh, bagels, lox, cream cheese, uh, onions. Uh, we augment with capers. Of course you do, darling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, I would like to augment with caviar but it's too expensive. Yes, it's
0: too bloody expensive for God's sake. <laughs> uh so what was it like around the uh, dinner table? Um uh w- w- were you guys sort of a traditional around the table family or did people eat at different times? Was it kind of fractured?
1: I you know I have a lot of blanks in my uh-huh. memory childhood because you know I don't mean to sound, you know, tragic and pathetic mm-hmm. but It was a difficult time, and I don't remember a lot about around the dinner table, uh, except that probably it was stressful. Mm -hmm.
0: Did you have a a good relationship with your sister? Did you guys share anything that was culinary in any way?
1: Well, uh, we were very young then, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, nine and ten when we both went to France, and then... Uh, back for a year, and then we were both each sent to separate boarding schools mm-hmm. because my parents, which we didn't know at the time, were getting a divorce.
2: Right, right. And
1: they sent my sister to uh, a Quaker boarding school
2: Interesting.
1: In, in Carolina where she could have a horse. Oh, because she,
2: she was into horses?
1: Uh, and nature. Uh-huh. And and I was uh, always and forever obsessed with acting. had started already Children's Theater in Cleveland. And speaking of food, like if I wasn't in a play, I didn't care if I could just sell hot dogs or whatever. I was happy. Yeah. And uh, they sent me to a wonderful boarding school. In uh, Darien, Connecticut. Yeah, up
0: in my neighborhood, yeah.
1: Where the great Mike Nichols went. It was called Cherry Lawn. Mm-hmm. It's not there anymore. And
0: From what age?
1: 11 and 12, I guess. I what was the
0: food like at Cherry Lawn? Or Was it Cherry Lawn, Cherry Hill? What was it called?
1: Cherry, Cherry Lawn. I don't remember.
0: It was not memorable, obviously.
1: No. I'll tell you what was memorable. Is that at some point there, I decided I was way too fat, <laughs> and I, I was I was quite a chubby child.
0: Mm. Welcome um, to the club, by the way. So was I. Wow, yeah.
1: can't imagine that. Yeah. But then um, I put myself on the Duke University Rice Diet, Whoa. with rice and fruit, and it really worked, but it was very strict. And uh, and then I will tell you something about my childhood childhood, mm-hmm. which is at the breakfast table. Mm-hmm. For breakfast, I was obsessed with one food, mm. and I don't know where it came from, but all I would eat for breakfast was hot dogs with ketchup on them, with no bun or anything.
0: Very interesting.
1: I mean, I don't know what, where the hell that came well, from. It's it didn't run in the family or anything. Well, but we have
0: you know we have nine grandchildren, right? And so we're seeing eating habits running from kids uh, from two years old up to twelve at this point, and the predilections of children are are just there. Un, there's no way to 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 uh, open that puzzle. Because, uh, you know, last night, uh, uh, one of our four-year-old grandchildren w- w- was here last night, and basically all he eats is pasta. Uh, he, but he will eat sort of smidgens of other things if he's rewarded, etc. But his main dish is pasta. And then he has breakout times where he'll eat just about anything. So the, the, the young, the, the, <laughs> that mind is not decipherable. You know, you can't enter into what the re, the the um, the logic behind it, I guess is what I'm saying.
2: Well, thank you for your tolerance. <laughs> uh, and then, so hot
0: dogs with, yeah. with ketchup, that's obviously something that you remember very vividly. Anything else from when you were little?
1: In Paris, my sister and I had in common that we, you know, fell in love with all the croissant oh. and pain au chocolat. And we had an apartment where you had to go up like five flights of stairs and we would go and buy the bread and the power chocolate and stuff like that. And they would sit down on the first landing and eat all the good stuff Uh, and end up taking home the, you you know, the baguettes, but gone would be the power chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had that in common. Uh. And I think, yeah, I think we ate well in Paris. My father was an architect and working in underdeveloped countries mm-hmm. and away a lot. And my mom moved to New York and after boarding school, I moved in to be with her and went to professional children's school uh, on the Upper West Side right, uh, where I still live near there. And, and, uh, uh, that was during the Vietnam War. And for the young people who don't remember, at that time during the war, they didn't just show statistics of the yes, deaths. Yes, I remember. They actually showed footage of, uh, and that was, you know, anyway, That I, I became a vegetarian then. Uh, and that was kind of a big, left turn because our family ate roast beef and potatoes and what you ate then. And I became a vegetarian from 14 to like 30 something totally. And then I was back in France visiting my mom who had moved there by that time. And Mm -hmm. I went to see a doctor there who said to me, you need to eat fish because right. there's something in it that you need for your brain that you can't get you. And I was so <laughs> relieved and grateful because in those,
2: days, I know it was not, I did it myself. It was
1: like, Oh, you did. So it was like that famous scene in five easy pieces where, uh, you know, Jack is ordering the BLT, right. you, you know, uh,
2: Close
1: uh, <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> me the or something. Anyway, so you couldn't get anything. So I was so secretly relieved when he said I, yeah. I had to eat fish because that yeah, opened yeah. up a whole. Because I remember we were and, doing
0: a lot of yeah. uh, of um, combining of foods that had amino acids that complemented each other. So, for oh. instance, rice rice and beans. Uh, are make complete protein. Right, that, uh, it, uh, beans and various other dishes, right. which is one of the reasons I guess why in many underdeveloped countries the, their diet is still relatively good because they get complete protein, yeah, even right. though it's vegetable, plant based. Uh, but yeah. but at the same time, you were also relegated to a lot of cheese and a lot of eggs, right?
1: Yeah, which is not strictly vegetarian because cheese and ice cream. One became shocked to realize it has rennet in it, which it comes from the intestines of cows, unless it's manufactured rennet. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. right.
1: But anyway, that's enough of that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so you're in, let me, let me go back to, to, to boarding school just for a moment. And uh, were, were there any times when you were able to eat out or when you were in Cleveland, oh, for instance? Did you guys go out to eat at all?
1: I think we did once in a oh, you know where we went? Okay, mm. we went to Bob's Big Boy.
2: Oh. And we oh, had yes.
1: incredible burgers with the secret sauce.
0: Oh yes.
1: But but what we we did not get French fries, which has left me with a lifelong obsession with French fries, which oh. I which I try not to indulge because they're so fattening. But uh, we sort of missed those and Bob's Burgers, that was heaven.
0: Oh, I remember Big Boy vividly. And the big statue that was out front of the restaurant. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. And
1: and then um, we belonged to a country club called the Oakwood Country Club, which was a country club that accepted Jews, or maybe it was all Jews. I can't remember. Right, right. And they had a little canteen there where they – sold these unbelievable hamburgers. And Mm. as you can see, this is back in my carnivore
2: days. Right.
1: So I remember those. And at a certain point, because I moved back to be with my mom, and my dad wasn't there, my sister wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And my mother uh, was working to make a living. She's a musician and composer, but she was working in, like, piano bars. Mm-hmm. So her living was made at night. Right. Uh, I was a teenager coming home from professional children's school and um, mostly got used to eating by myself in bed. Mm. I, I, my mother and I, it's pretty bad. We eat in bed a lot. Because <laughs> Sort of eating by ourselves at strange hours. And I guess I would put the TV on. Right. Eat my meal in front of the TV. And I love that. And
0: I've gone through that as well. We we do that sometimes. Joanne and I both.
1: Because you're all in different places working.
0: And mm-hmm. Yeah, but sometimes when we're together, we'll sit in front of the TV and we'll watch yeah. Jeopardy or
1: Oh, and we movie. used to have uh Wait a minute. We used to have TV dinners, which oh. I love. Oh, yeah. when I was quite little, and 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 we would sit in front of the TV with TV trays. Mm-hmm. Each of us with a TV tray, right?
0: Those ready-made trays, right?
1: One in TV dinners, which so good, and they had like oh, this is bringing something. They had like applesauce and mashed potatoes and all this stuff.
0: Yeah, and turkey TV, and gravy.
1: Yes everything corn Yep. and oh gosh they were so good oh yeah and and, uh that's like you know in that woody allen movie uh where all the people are entertainers and he invites all his clients for thanksgiving and what thanksgiving is is swanson's turkey tv dinners (laughs) right Each each,
2: each
1: of the people have and um that was a big deal for me. Yeah,
0: and yeah, yeah. Isn't it really? interesting how just as we, we kind of, you know, uh, uh, we riff on meals and what things were like, that suddenly stuff comes back.
2: Yes.
0: Things that we hadn't thought about for so long, suddenly they're back in our memory and in our olfactory and, and and in our, uh, you know, in our taste buds. They
1: were so good. And then as I grew up, I began to eat applesauce with baked potatoes, which are my favorite food. Mm -hmm. And I also began to need to have applesauce with Chinese food. Yes, I don't know why.
0: Interesting combination.
1: Obligatory to me. Mm. And like when I was doing Wicked, you know, where I would eat dinner, I couldn't eat before the show because I would get, I couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know the food. I, I know
1: my, you know, eleven thirty or twelve, right? And order in from Empire Sichuan and have my Empire Sichuan and my applesauce. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you furnish the applesauce; they furnish the Sichuan. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, 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 take me back. Then we we we've we've sort of gone through Cleveland. We're in Paris. We're eating croissant. On the steps of your apartment with your sister, Chocolat, the uh, croissant and Chocolat, right? Uh, By the way, folks, uh, for the listeners here, if you're ever traveling and you go to Paris, uh, the one thing you have to do is to go to a a French bakery, just about any French bakery, and get some croissant and sit down and have a cup of coffee and have a croissant. There's nothing like it in the world. Anywhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Any other uh par- Parisian food that you remember from when you were a kid there?
1: I remember that my mama made homemade uh mayonnaise, which the housekeeper taught her to make, and yes. it was so good.
0: Eggs, oil.
1: Oh, it was wonderful, and yeah. it seemed like magic, and it was so I guess it was easy, but you never had homemade mayonnaise in Cleveland.
0: No, no. And it's interesting because you, you mentioned having listened to my uh, the the podcast that I did with my three kids, all of whom are are uh, foodies and are great cooks. And uh, my daughters, uh, on and off, make their own mayonnaise always. Uh, particularly my daughter Alexis, who's just really into it. My son, well, oh oh, so great, so great. Uh, olive oil, lemon, egg yolks, uh, or uh, vinegar sometimes it depends i can't remember what else but at any rate so so a- anything else you remember from paris
1: well you know then my mom lived there a long time and then i would go and visit her and we had just very few restaurants like on the street where she lived uh in a hotel for five years called grand hotel de balcon which means big hotels of the balconies and <laughs> it was a little tiny and it still is a beautiful little hotel near the Luxembourg gardens. Mm-hmm. She ate every meal out because she lived in a tiny little room with not only no kitchen, no bathroom, even oh, no bathroom.
0: She shared a bathroom. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, then they fixed it up and every room has a bathroom now. And we go back, except for COVID at least once a year.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And we have one macrobiotic restaurant that we love called Guinamay. We have uh, one French restaurant, same street, called Lepidon. Back in the day, she always ate at a place called La Cambuse, which was across the street from the hotel. And when they closed, it was like the end of the world. No. It's not her kitchen. And and even if she was sick or something, La Combruse would send her food to her hotel room, which no. they didn't do for anybody. Right and Now, Lepidon sometimes does that for us. But right. we're, I mean, we're in Paris, but we don't eat anywhere, except when we're treating people, we take them to La Méditerranée, which is a famous old French uh, a fish restaurant mm-hmm. uh facing the théâtre d'Odeon and it's very beautiful and that's it for the right. restaurants and all the
2: These
0: were and these were restaurants rather than brasseries, right? They were not, not yeah. So so it was sit down uh prepared meals, uh, uh traditional French cooking? Uh
1: well yeah or Nouvelle no uh Maybe Lépidon is a little bit nouvelle, but that just opened about five, six years ago. hmm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that I remember about eating in Paris too is that so many of the restaurants have a, a, a history. Uh the uh you know, even even the places that are sort of more touristy and famous, uh, the brasseries, uh, they've been there forever. Yes. Uh, there and also there are places like the La Procope, which is the the yeah. the uh, the hat that the French revolutionaries wore.
2: Right. It yeah. also
0: became the name of a restaurant. Uh, so these restaurants have such history to them. I mean, it doesn't exist anymore in this country, really.
1: Well, the Closerie de Lila was next to our first French apartment. That's a very famous uh, Closerie de Lila. Thank think. Mm-hmm. All the- you know Hemingway
0: and Picasso and everybody. No. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah, extraordinary history. Uh, okay, so, so now you're you're back in the United States and you are in the school and uh, nothing uh, terribly thrilling in, in as far as the culinary world there. So then you move into New York City with your mom and you're going to children's professional children's school. From the time you're how old?
1: Uh, I think I was. Twelve and a half, maybe.
0: Wow. And um, and, and <laughs> what was your first professional experience as a professional child actor?
1: I mean, I started doing uh, what I considered very professional acting when I was like six. Ah. Because, uh, in Cleveland, there was an extraordinary man named Jerry Leonard who founded the Cleveland Heights Youth Theater mm. and was very strict with us. Uh, either you took it seriously and became six-year-old professionals right. or he wasn't having anything to do with you. And so...
0: I it love was, the, that you see it as being uh, essentially the, the beginning of your professional career.
1: Because he was just that strict. Yeah. If you were playing around, he didn't have time for you.
0: Right. This is your job. Yeah. Yeah. You need to take it seriously.
1: I joined both the unions when I was 14, uh, SAG and Equity, and uh, I... As
0: a result of work?
1: Yeah, uh, my first professional... Well, I did a lot of extra work when I was 14. Mm -hmm. And then when I was like 16, um, I got cast in Carnal Knowledge through... Vic Ramos, who used to... I extras, yep. And then he became Matt Dillon's manager, and Mike Nichols was looking for this character, and they were already shooting a Carnal Lodge in Vancouver, and Vic told Juliet Taylor and Marion Dougherty, I I think I have the girl for you. Through extra work. He wow. remembered me and told Juliet and... They sent me up to Vancouver telling me that if I didn't get it, I'd be back the next day. And if I got it, I'd be staying three weeks. Whoa. And my mother said to the producer, if my daughter's going to go through that, you have to fly her first class.
0: Wow. <laughs> Good for mom. What about stage?
1: My first professional a stage job was on tour with Tammy Grimes in the prime of Miss Jean Brody.
0: Right, right. I remember that play when it was on Broadway. I didn't uh, I, I didn't see it, but I remember. Who was it? So Caldwell was the... Yes. Yeah.
2: And I
1: auditioned for that production, I think, 13 times and didn't get it. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> because there was a dispute between the writer, Jay Preston Allen, and the director...
0: She wanted me and he didn't. So that, mm. anyway, then I went on tour with it. Oh, wow. You know, and for our listeners, this is not an unusual experience for an actor. Uh, as Carol describes it, auditioning 13 times for a show at, or a movie and then not getting... It.
1: it almost killed me.
0: Oh, yeah. It's, it can be devastating. devastating. You know, particularly if, you're go- if you've gone through that process so many times and your hopes are up and then they're down and then they're up and then they're down. Uh, It's it can be devastating, but uh, it's a testament to your resilience that you made it through and not only made it through, but then went on to this extraordinary, illustrious career. Uh, So um, we have a couple of things in a couple of movies in common. And interestingly, with both those movies, we didn't work together.
1: Isn't that weird?
0: Yeah, Dog Day Afternoon. They're
1: both, they're both such great movies. We're both privileged to be very
0: lucky. On. Oh, so lucky. That, talk tell me a little let's talk a little bit about your experience with Dog Day Afternoon. And for those of you uh in the audience who are a little younger and don't know the movie, it's Dog the movie's called Dog Day Afternoon, and it's based upon some real events that occurred in New York City in the uh nineteen seventies. Uh, very bizarre, very interesting, a bank robbery, a hostage situation. And by the way, it has modern parallels in terms of the LBGT community, et cetera, et cetera. So, so to talk a little bit about your experience.
1: Christopher played Al Pacino's uh, wife. Wife. Yeah. Who was in the middle of transitioning from Correct. a male to a female, which was. An unheard-of character.
0: It was and, very, very uh, daring in, in that regard, in that time.
1: absolutely genius in it.
0: Yeah. A great script. A,
1: a great script, a great director.
0: Sidney Lumet. And what was your, you, because you spent a lot of your time, you were a, a worker in the bank, that was your character, and you spent a lot of time.
1: I had already done Hester Street, I believe. Right but I wanted so badly to work with Al, who I'd done some theater with, and my friend Clifford Capone, who did wardrobe on it and also made a shirt for Al overnight, made a shirt that wow. he would be, and uh he was working on it. Al was working on it, and I just wanted to be part of it,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: I had a bank teller role, it wasn't large, but I loved it. And well, because there
0: was a, there was an ensemble. There was a real sense of that group being a community.
1: And then Al did this incredible ad lib when he first came in the bank and uh actually uh Gary Springer, who was John Springer, the famous and beloved Gary Springer, his son, played uh the bank robber who chickened out right at the oh. beginning. But as he left. He yelled out to Al's character, Sonny, there's uh, someone hiding under the desk, and that was me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I have
1: these strange little uh, braid buns on either side of my head,
0: sort of pr- pre I looked, Princess Leia kind of buns."
1: Yeah, yep. uh, and 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 Al looked under the desk and saw me and said, "What's this? A squirrel?" <laughs> That was an and that yeah. was so, it was so great. Anyway,
2: yeah.
1: uh, I just remember, you know, I, I felt I, we were all privileged to be in it. And Charlie Derny and Penny Allen and, oh, God, uh, uh, Jimmy Broderick.
0: Matthew. Yeah, James Broderick, right. The the father of uh, Matthew Broderick, the, uh, the actor. But his dad was a wonderful actor as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was was an extraordinary experience in a lot of ways. So let me segue into the other movie that we were in together that we didn't work together, uh, and that's The Princess Bride. How did that come about for you?
1: I I just was so lucky. It was one of the few times in my life when somebody called me, that somebody being Rob Reiner, Mm -hmm. I was doing a Beth Henley play. Up in, uh, where did we all do those plays that uh, Nico? uh,
0: Oh, Williamstown. Williamstown. Williamstown Theater, yeah. Nico Sakropoulos was the. I was up
1: there doing a Beth Henley play, and I got a call one day from Rob Reiner, uh, like Deus Ex Machina, you
2: know? Right, right. And
1: Rob said, Did I want to be. In this movie, and play Billy Crystal's wife, and I said yes, uh, of course, way beyond before reading anything, and I, you know, practically checked the phone line to see if somebody was playing a trick on me or something. (laughs) And that was it.
0: Right.
1: It was so. It was a blessed event in my life as.
0: Yes, I think we all feel very lucky that we were involved. And and not only the final product being something that we're all very proud of, but also the process itself, uh, which was uh, so wonderfully collaborative uh, on the one hand, even though we didn't, there was no improvisation. I mean, it was very different from Dog Day Afternoon in that, there was improv in Dog Day. Uh Al and I did a lot of
2: Oh Billy, now All right, let's but, be I'm, fair. I'm
0: getting back to you. Yes, right. <laughs> there was a wonderful Ram Golden trip. And
1: and, and, uh, and because I was working with Billy, I got to do a little improvising because I remembered from the Oakwood mm-hmm. Country Club
2: of Right
1: which I have spoken that uh that you weren't allowed to go in swimming after you ate <laughs> right. for at least an hour, and that, you know, when we were making yeah, the, right, the right. chocolate things, and
0: I grew up with that that uh, uh, rule as well,
1: which I think sort of turns out maybe not totally
0: different. bogus. Just another way of our parents controlling us when we were kids. So anyway, so talk about yeah, let's so. let's talk about those those that that scene that uh is so inimitable and uh, wonderful, did you guys rehearse?
1: Billy and I got together in my apartment in los angeles mm-hmm. and we had both read the book and um we made a we constructed a really uh, lively and lifelike backstory
0: for the for the couple
2: yeah
1: miracle max and valerie and then we also you know riffed on what was in the book and had ourselves in the same room by the time that was over then on the day and but everybody was way over and London by the time right. we came we right, were,
0: We were in London for a couple of months shooting uh, uh, up in the Midlands. In we were not. And you and Billy were not there. And then we all moved to London to uh, Shepparton Studios. Yeah. And that's where you guys shot that scene, right?
1: And I don't recall a rehearsal because what I do recall was that um, our makeup which was to make us look hundreds of years old. Right. Billy's makeup artist from Saturday Night Live, uh, Peter, he invented it and constructed it, mm-hmm. and he he could only apply it, it the prosthetics, the little, little rubber bits right. that were built to one of us on the day. Mm-hmm. And that was Billy. My makeup artist was an English makeup artist who was wonderful but had no trial run. Oh. Therefore, I think that while Billy's took the usual four hours, mine took, I believe, about nine hours.
2: Oh, boy.
1: And the the only terrifying thing about that for me was, you know what, I, I just went like this on my jacket. Yes. And I thought to myself, uh-oh, I just touched the microphone. But, of course, we don't <laughs> have But, you know, right. we you? Chris and I used to wear microphones yeah, in our chat. That's
2: right. <laughs>
1: um, but, um, but in any case, um, what was terrifying for me about that is that the scene had started and everybody, uh, you know, Mandy and Carrie and Billy.
0: Right. Mandy between and were, Carrie always, Billy Crystal, Yeah.
1: And, they were all working together, and I was not even on the floor. You were still and in I, makeup. And I got so terrified and intimidated that I wouldn't be able to live up what had started to happen
2: mm-hmm.
1: chemistry-wise when I hit the floor. And as I see it, I, I still don't feel I did live oh, up
0: to it. You were delightful in that movie. Ah. Oh. So wonderful! I assure you, and 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 will, as will millions of other people who have watched the movie and particularly watched those that scene, uh, will well, that we the, so- the Valerie uh, Max uh, uh, relationship, first of all, the, the work that you guys did beforehand paid off because there was a sense that you were. I did we cute. had a,
1: a background and yeah. we had no tolerance for. Each other's bullshit
0: yeah now the the oh good good now uh,
1: I mean in our hundreds of years of being married
0: yes right <laughs> and and also uh the the stories of what transpired and the actual shooting uh uh, uh uh Carrie always talks about this of having to lie there and and endure oh. this this sort of craziness that was going on around him
1: shows what you know, he's only mostly, mostly
2: good.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and then Mandy famously, uh, Mandy broke a rib. It, you know, a few other teenage things I want to insert sure. is that I remember back in the day because she was working, I was working, and I wasn't working, I was going to school, and then working. We depended on things like Frozen wonton soup. hmm Believe it. There was a lovely frozen wonton that you could get. And that my mother had a specialty salad, which we were in love with, and all our friends were in love with that we would never eat now because here's what it consisted of. <laughs> right. A large iceberg head of iceberg lettuce, right. which now know is so unhealthy well
0: it's basically it's devoid of any kind of nutrient
1: but it also apparently turns to like mush in your stomach oh, or something oh okay and not only that um it had all over it tons of wheat germ and oil and vinegar mm. and it was like it was so delicious but it was a a fattening salad. Yes, not 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 quite as fattening as the infamous Jello salads <laughs> of the But um, but uh, it was, and and it had no nutrition. But we were in love with it. And the frozen wonton was always in the fridge. Not to mention the Sara Lee coffee cake. Oh yes, for, for a nice healthy
0: breakfast. <laughs>
1: right. um, Sugar,
0: mixed with sugar, topped with sugar. <laughs> with, with cholesterol added in somewhere in there as well.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: Good. Great, great. So so the, so, so did you have, I, I get this question all the time, and I'm interested to know if, if you feel the same way. Uh, did you know, did you have a feeling when you were working on The Princess Bride that it was going to have such an extraordinary afterlife and and was going to become such a kind of cultural phenomenon.
1: I don't think anybody could have known that. I did know that it was a stupendous, gorgeous, brilliant fairy tale. Yeah. And I, as you might have guessed since I'm also in Scrooge and a whole bunch of other things where I've played fairy tale characters, I, uh, from my children's theater, which if you weren't working or selling hot dogs, you were sewing sequins. Mm. So you
0: were working backstage as well.
1: Oh, yes. And I also operated Tinkerbell from The Flies, <laughs> which is a slide projector. <laughs> a slide projector. But I fell in love with the sequins and the glitter back in those days. And I guess I never got over it because then I like to play. Fairy tale characters, so for me to be in The Princess Pride yeah. even though I played an ancient crone, uh, I, it was magical from the moment Rob called, mm-hmm. but I don't think any of us could have pictured that it would be so legendary, we're so lucky. Yeah. Did you picture that it would be this
2: legendary?
0: I, I have the same experience that you did, and that is that uh, first of all, I, I fell in love with the book way before we actually shot the movie, many years before, when Robert huh? Redford owned it, when he when he owned the project, but couldn't get huh? it done. And huh? then, uh, uh, when I got the call to go and audition for Rob, uh, huh? I was over the moon because I loved the book. The dreaded word audition. Auditioned, yes. But that one was, was actually fun as well because I, I, I arrived at Bill Goldman's apartment and I had just read an article in the paper about something was happening with the New York Knicks. And I was a big fan. I am a big fan of the New York Knicks. and And Bill Goldman's a big Knicks fan. And I walked into the room and they asked how I was. And I just unloaded about this situation with the Knicks. And Goldman and I got into a conversation, Bill Goldman and I. And we talked for like 15 minutes, you know, about the Knicks. And Rob literally said, uh, uh, excuse me, but <laughs> you, you think we might, <laughs> we might read this scene? Right. Uh, <laughs> and and w- the wonderful thing was, and I, 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 I'm sure that you had this experience with Rob, because I think everybody does with Rob Reiner. And that is he's a wonderful audience.
1: Oh, my God. And
0: that's what makes him a great one of the things that makes him a great director. One of them.
1: Well, no. Notoriously, uh, he would have trouble controlling himself from laughing out loud during the takes, especially when Billy got going. Was so, it,
0: wasn't he banished at one point? Uh, uh,
1: yes. No, no, he was a banished. I mean, he was, was he? sent
0: s- sent out of the room.
1: Yes, he was sent to sit in the corner with a dunce cap on. <laughs> Not to come out until he promised to stop laughing. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> well, uh, we won't go on too much more about the princess, okay. other than uh, I'm sure there are people listening uh, who are fans of the movie, and just know that our experience and I, I'm, I'll speak for Carol, but she can speak for herself, was really uh, quite extraordinary. It was when it was an extraordinary experience. It was a wonderful. Way of working, and uh we're very lucky to have been associated with it, I think Hello. yeah, so what's the television show, the TV series you're working on now?
2: oh <laughs> this is <laughs> by funny. the way
1: the name of it, which I hadn't thought of till this very second yes dinner with the parents
0: ooh
1: that's the name
2: ooh.
0: dinner with the parents now is this an, is, are you an American with an, in an English cast?
1: yeah here's the thing. This was a big hit series in Britain mm-hmm. with the all English cast and writer and director mm-hmm. and, producer. and then they decided it was went on for nine seasons. oh decided to do the American version, and for some reason appears that it's cheaper to shoot the America version in London. Even though they had to bring over the entire cast and put us up and all this. Wow. Apparently, there's a big tax bonus, right. and they we're doing it. it we're shooting in London. And not, not an, actually, we're shooting an hour and 15 minutes away from
2: oy. London,
1: which is not oi is the word for that. Right. Um, uh, but I have an incredible English driver named Alan mm-hmm. who together a six, 50s, 60s, and 70s mixtape for me, oh. which has made my voyage
0: back and forth. I should think, I'm over two hours a day. Let's conclude this wonderful conversation with a question that I always ask everybody who's on the podcast. If there's one thing that you recall from when you were a young girl that brings back a flood of either you know, taste memories, uh, uh, smell memories or, or a memory that has to do with someone or an event that's related to food. What would that memory be?
1: I can't say one. Everyone I have is kind of strange. It evokes time with my mama, my sister or my dad, but not together. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh for instance, my dad was architect in underdeveloped countries and I went to visit him in one of the many incredibly hot, sunny countries, which I had trouble with being fair this Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. And
1: that country I was obsessed with I would eat nothing else but watermelon and mashed potatoes.
0: That's a very, very interesting combination.
1: As opposed to hot dogs and ketchup, as opposed to Mm -hmm. chocolate on the steps. And
0: Mm
1: -hmm. so these all evoke uh, times of family love, even though they were not around the family being together.
0: This is, uh, Carol, a perfect way to conclude our uh, extraordinarily wonderful. Uh, entertaining, uh, lovely conversation. I can't thank you enough. I love love you. And love
1: the beautiful Joanna.
0: Yes, speaking of my wife, Joanna Gleason, the uh, extraordinarily talented and remarkable woman that I'm married to. So, Carol Kane, thank you for being with us at Cooking by Heart. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to this and watching it again, because it's been so...
1: I'm looking forward to our third movie together.
0: Okay, all right. We got to do number three, and we have to be in a scene together.
1: That would be about time.
0: Okay, all right.
1: Love
2: okay. you.